know, I'm one of the pastors here, and we are just overjoyed that you're taking time on your start of your weekend to spend uh, some time worshiping God and being in community here with Horizon. So uh, we're just overjoyed that you're with us today. Uh, this past week, I had an experience. I was uh, driving uh, back from Lakeland, and I, I decided to take some, some back roads, and it was very late at night. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you're on a back road, especially in, in Polk County. There's not, it's not, there's not a lot of bright lights uh, outside. You're outside the city, and you're on these kind of windy roads, and you're only supposed to be going like 50 miles an hour, and your headlights really can't see far enough ahead. And you kind of like squint, and you're like, what is that up ahead? And you don't really can tell what is up there until you get there. And you've got to keep driving to see where it is that the road bends or that mailbox that's just a little weird. It's like flashing a light. You're not sure what's up ahead. You've got to keep driving to find out what's up ahead. And that's kind of where we find ourselves in the story of Joshua that we've been reading through. Joshua comes to be a leader because uh, Moses has died. The end of Deuteronomy, if you flip back a, a, a chapter or a book in the Bible that, from Joshua, you'll find there at the end, Moses has died. And he, he went up on the mountain and he got to look over and see the promised land, the place that he'd been wanting to go for 40 years. And he got to just get a glimpse of what it was going to look like. And he died. And now Joshua is taking the reins of leadership. And that's where... Joshua starts and says that, that Moses has died. Now Joshua is the leader. And he's at this point where he's not really sure what's up ahead, but he's got to keep going. And here's the thing about Joshua as a leader. And maybe you can relate to some of this. Joshua has been trained by Moses. He's been like his right-hand man. He's been a great student to Moses. And at this point... These are the kind of things that he's learned. He's learned about wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. He's taken Wandering 101. And then he moved on to the 201. And 201 was how to collect manna in the wilderness. And then 301 was how to get water from a rock. And these are all great things when you're, you're moving around and you're camping out. These are the, the leadership skills that God's people needed when they were wandering. Now Joshua's at this moment where he's got a task of taking them that one last step. He's not quite sure what's ahead, but he's got to take them one last step to cross the Jordan into the promised land. He's got to take them that one last step. And he's no longer going to be leading them in wandering, but he's going to be leading them in settling. They're going to have to know how to settle the places that God has called them to. And so we get this, we start the story here in Joshua chapter 1. And it says in, in verse 10, Joshua gave orders to the people, the people's officers, go through the camp and give orders to the people and say, get supplies ready for yourself. Because in three days, in three days we'll be crossing the Jordan to enter the land and take it over. The Lord your God is going to give it to you as your possession. So in three days, in three days, we're going to cross over the river. We're going to finally get to where we've been trying to go for 40 years. And we're going to do it right here. 
We just got to wait three more days. We're going to camp out three more days, and we get to do it right here. And so often, when we're leading people, because so many of us in this room, all of us in this room are leaders in some way. Whether we're doing that at work, and we've got a job title that makes us a leader, whether we're the manager, we're the boss. Or maybe we're just leaders in our homes. People look to us to make decisions, and we don't always know what's on the other side of the river. Joshua, here's the thing. Joshua was one of the spies that Moses had sent out earlier. Joshua was one of the ones that, that didn't have quite the doubt that the others did about what was going to be on the other side. Because the others came back, and what did they say? The others came back to Moses and said, there are giants over on the promised land. There's no way that we're ever going to go over there. Why would we ever want to go over there? Let's just, you know, there's all that fear, always that rumbling, always that let's just go back. Life was better in Egypt. And Joshua is taking the same step. Because as soon as he said, we're going to cross the river right here, and we just got to wait three more days, and it's finally going to happen. Those same fears, those same complainings crept back in, I'm sure. And so often... We don't know what's on the other side of the river, but we can have clarity. But we don't always have certainty on what's going to happen next as a leader, right? When we take that step of faith, we can have clarity that God has called us to this point, the cross right here, but we don't know what's going to be on the next step once we get across. But God has called us to this moment. And so Joshua teaches us, as we take that step of faith, we may not always have certainty, but we can have clarity about that step. And so we keep reading, when it finally comes to time, this is the instructions that Joshua tells the people in chapter 3. Joshua told the priest, lift up the covenant chest, go along in front of the people. So they lifted up the covenant chest and went in front of the people. The Lord said to Joshua, today, today I will begin to make you great in the opinion of all Israel. Then they will know that I will be with you. I will be with you in the same way that I was with Moses. Your command from the priest who carried the covenant chest as, as soon as you crossed the bank of the Jordan. Stand still in the Jordan. Stand still in the Jordan. So why would they stand still in the Jordan? It says that so that God would be known. That they would know that I am that's, that's the promise that God takes, that promises to us when we take that step of faith. That we won't have certainty, but we won't have clarity, because God will be with us in that moment. God's presence is powerful here, right? God's presence is powerful, because here, this is what happens when they march out. And those, those priests have carried out the ark. It says, the priests march out. In front of their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests carrying the covenant chest were in front of the people. When the priests who were carrying the chest came to the Jordan, their feet touched the edge of the water. The Jordan had overflown its banks. So this river is not just flowing, it's overflowing, it's flooding completely, the way it does during the entire harvest season. But at that moment, the water of the Jordan came downstream, stood still. It rose up in a single heap, 
very far off, the water going down to the desert sea, that is, the Dead Sea, was cut off completely. The people crossed opposite Jericho. So the priest carrying the Lord's covenant chest stood firmly on dry land in the middle of the Jordan. Meanwhile, all Israel crossed over on dry land until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. I am with you. God's presence stops a river from flowing. That's absolutely incredible. And at the same time, I'm sure there's those moments where right now you're even like, that's a great story, but I've never seen that happen. Like, God's presence in this box, stopping a river. Like, that's a cool story, but likely, I've never seen anything quite like that. Like, it was raining this afternoon, and my street was a river, and nothing was stopping it. Right? And I've had those moments, too, where I'm just like, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. But this is what I can tell you. I can tell you I have never seen God's presence stop a river from flowing. But I have seen God do some impossible things in my own life. God do some impossible things in my own life. As a high school student, I didn't want anything to do with God. And God's grace continued to chase me, chase after me through people in my life that invited me to know God's love in a real and tangible way and absolutely changed my heart. God did an impossible thing. As a college student, when I wasn't sure what my purpose was, I didn't know what I was going to do next in life. God's voice came to me and said, stop running away. Stop running away from me because I believe you can do great things. God did an impossible thing because I never imagined ever wanting to preach a sermon. I never imagined that would be what I would call you. God did an impossible thing in my own life, and that's what I can tell so if God can do those things in my life, just maybe, just maybe God's presence could really then stop a river. And so they make it across. They take those steps of clarity, not sure what would be on the other side. They walk through the dry riverbed, a wall of water, and they make it to the other side. This is what they're told to do. Pick 12 men from the people, one man per tribe, command them, pick up 12 stones from right here, right here in the middle of the river, where the feet of the priests have been firmly planted. Bring them across with you and put them down in the camp where you are staying So not only do they cross, they take these 12 stones with them, and they carry them across to the other side where they're going to camp that night, and they pile up those 12 stones, and they're instructed here to remember this day that God was with them, that God's presence delivered them across the river, because one day their children will ask them, what do those What do those stones mean? And I don't know about 
touch you, but so often in my own life, I forget those moments where God's presence has shown up in such mighty ways. When I hit those calamity moments where it seems like that wall of water is going to come crashing down on me, I forget those moments where God has shown up. I forget those moments. But God says to these the Israelites, as they're, they're coming into the promised land, to not forget again, once again, to not forget what God is doing in their life. To not just run past it and get to the other side and celebrate the land of milk and honey. But God calls them to remember what God has done in their life. We're going to enter into a time of communion in just a few minutes as the band comes up here get to these points in our lives where we've got to mark something. And Jesus does that at the end of his life with the disciples. He celebrates communion with them. He shares one last meal with his best friends, the twelve disciples. And so today, a Friday night, it's a little stormy and rainy, might be that day that you need to mark something that God is doing you in your space for you today. We're going to celebrate communion today. All are invited and welcome to come today and know God's grace. To know it in a mighty way that is real and tangible. To mark what God has done and what God will continue to do in your life. It's why we celebrate communion together each time we gather. And so we remember what God has done long ago, and remember what God does in bread and wine when Jesus gathers. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, Take eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. gave it to the disciples. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for me for the forgiveness of sins. You no longer have to live with the shame and guilt because I'm doing a new thing, a new thing in your life. And so today, on June 10th, what, what is that new thing that God is doing in your life that you need to mark? And so I invite you this morning, or this evening, so get used to the evening worship this evening to remember who God is, that God has, has loved you and has forgiven you to do that new thing. And so I want you to spend some time in prayer and uh, come and receive today when you are ready. I invite you to spend as long as you like in prayer to mark today whatever God revealed in your heart that God is calling you to do. And so, uh,